guys, you're very welcome along to episode 45. This is Shane, this is Heart Lines. Now on the line, I have a very special guest. He's an Irish man, an Irish cartoonist, illustrator, co-creator of Cyanide and Happiness web comics and franchise. His name is Dave McElfatrick. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, you described me perfectly just there. Those are every facet of my personality in a list. You did a good job, is what I'm saying. Thank you for the intro. Thank you, Dave. Anyway, Dave, uh, so it's great to have you on. Um, we're going to get into it. So I just want to know about you because I know you're from Ireland. You're from, from Northern Ireland? I'm from Colrin specifically. Colrin, like okay. Up, up by the Giant's Causeway and all that. I like to joke that everything around it's beautiful, but Colrin's kind of like the, the little volcanic crater in the middle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're you're your co-creator of Sunrise and Happiness. I want to know what young Dave was like growing up, because like you had to start off somewhere. Like the, the creativity, why you all was like a very cre- creative kind of child growing up, and were you interested in comics and stuff like that? Absolutely, one hundred percent. I uh, I was an only child, and so my my dad worked at the the local university, and he would always bring sort of materials like bits of paper and stuff for me to draw on and doodle mm. on and you know I really enjoyed doing that because we don't really have brothers or sisters you, you you kind of have to find your own way of entertaining yourself and so mine was doodling and before that I remember and this might come off as like a, a wee boast but I don't think so I remember my parents being kind of amazed at the drawings I was doing of like trains and all this sort of stuff I might might I'm guarantee you my dad might be blown and spoke up my ass saying this, but uh, I went up to the local university and apparently he showed one of the professors and they were like, that's brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. And now that I think about it, I've just had a revelation where it wasn't a case of this professor in college going, wow, your, your six-year-old did this. It was probably a case of my dad showing someone a picture. They're going, yeah, yeah, no, no it's great. As they're trying to, try to go home for the day or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I just had a moment of discovery on your podcast. That's great. That's good to hear. No, no t- <laughs> <laughs> Don't get his hopes too high. There's yeah, going exactly, to yeah, yeah. be this thing called webcomics in the future, and he has no chance. Trust me, absolutely no chance. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I kept up with that all through school and all, you know, like I was easily distracted mm. at, in school, mm. always drawing away on textbooks and stuff like that and doodling on things I shouldn't be doodling on. And I, I didn't have much of a great time in secondary school. Just uh, didn't really gel with a lot of people there. We didn't really get on very well. So I was, I was kind of, you know, self-ostracizing a little bit and just kind of standing at the back and drawing things and practicing my craft and all, all that sort of stuff. So that was your way to express yourself. You weren't like the social kid. You know, like in, in the, you're over in the States now. Um, right. You're over in, where, where in the States are you? I'm in Texas. I'm in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Yes. A real cowboy. You a Cowboys fan? <laughs> I will tell you. No, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I, don't, <laughs> I, I still don't understand how to play that game at all. <laughs> but I had, I had my dad over a couple, like a couple of years ago because he, he loves all the Westerns and stuff and all that. Yeah. And so he comes over and I slap a cowboy hat in his head and I go, let's go, partner. <laughs> and we, go, we drive back to my place and it starts raining. It starts raining so hard you wouldn't want to go out in it at all. So we're in the middle of Texas, and I put on Red Dead Redemption Two for my dad to experience it for the first time because it was because it was chucking it down so hard outside. Anyway, uh, he he uh, he got his full cowboy scholarship a few days later. We went down to a local rodeo and all that. So he he had his fill. 
Nice, nice, nice. Are you a sports fan, Dave? Uh, no, no. At I'll, all. I'll straight up tell you right now, I don't give two hoots. I really don't. Okay. I, no. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, no, no. I was, I was just going to say, let, let's move on from that. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll tell you something. <laughs> I, I never understood how people could, uh, like, was it a generational thing or what? Why were people in my, why were kids in my class, like, obsessed with an English, you know, soccer league, like, premiership? Who gives a hoot, really? How, how are you doing that? Yeah, how, I, do you pick, how do you pick your team, you know? Yeah, we, I had this discussion with my friend there because uh, he would be anti-soccer anti or, or whatnot. And I'm anti-soccer. To go around bursting balls and all. <laughs> I like, I like, um, I like sports because I played sports when I was younger and I wasn't very good at sports. So I just like right. the fact I like to hang on, on the coattails of these guys and go, these guys can do it. You know, I like, yeah. I, 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 I live vicariously in a sense, you know. And like, I yeah. guess if you if you're a sports fan, your your family or your your closest friends or whatever, you probably join them. It's like a tribe kind of thing you're in. So that's why you become a right. And my my parents Liverpool. really, my parents really never cared a whole lot about football or soccer or anything like that. So I wasn't yeah. kind of I didn't have it imbued into me, you know. But uh, let's see. I do like. I did love professional wrestling as a kid. By professional wrestling, I mean like bloody WCW and all that. <laughs> who didn't? I Big know. Fan. I who didn't sit up and watch the Royal Rumble and and uh, Hell in the Cell and all these. I feel like I, Irish people in particular have a great affinity for uh, the WCW and WWE and the old wrestling traditions and stuff like that. You know. I think so. I I, I think because we have such a a strong bond with the states. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm not too sure with Texas, but I know like East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, you know, the Irish diaspora sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So we we always used to get like wrestling piped in on a Sunday and you stay up, you know, on a school night sort of thing. You'd be like staying up, you have a sleeping bag in and watching the wrestling. And it was such a such a great occasion. But uh, you never thought yeah. about the whole like fact it was staged or whatever but still it you felt like these well they were hurting themselves but they were hurting themselves for the the art form you know absolutely they were hurting themselves and i remember being about 12 and it it is the same feeling that you get as you slowly realize that santa doesn't exist because your mom's now telling you that she has to pay santa and that's why you can't get six thousand pounds worth of like presence you know yeah you start you start to watch the wrestling and you're defending it and you're thinking no it's real it's real these guys act exactly you know these grown adults do act like babies it's normal and then one day you just go it's not real but i still love it it's still real to me you know you ever see that video of the guy going it's still real to me damn it when someone asked him if he uh thought wrestling was real or fake no i cried no, I haven't. Well, like it is. It's. It, I tell you that the buzz, the buzz you get because it's like any performer on stage or acting. It's that adrenaline rush they give off, and then they the crowd feed off that. You know, they go. Oh, yeah. I really look like Stone Cold Steve Austin was like the anti-hero sort of thing. He was like you hated him, but you loved him sort of thing. You know, and it was sort of like, yeah, yeah. You know, mankind suck. <laughs> I was always, I was, I was always a big fan of the slightly supernatural fellas. So you'd have mankind who was just kind of yeah. messed up, but indulged in all sorts of evil magic and stuff. Yeah. 
but the undertaker can hold us back i liked big dudes big scary dudes you know that that's what i want to be uh yeah big show undertaker uh kevin nash was my guy for a long time even though he didn't really wrestle a whole lot he just yeah. kind of stuck his big foot up and put it in someone's face and that was the only move they really had <laughs> <laughs> but i mean we come on you know friday friday night on tnt it was nitro was on for me and i was absolutely glued to it for a couple of years so do you get to see it over in the states it must travel around uh even texas or you know uh, yeah 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 i've actually seen it twice over here uh the first time my girlfriend at the time uh bought tickets to a house show a wwe one and i'm like that's fantastic like thank you so much this will be such a great experience for me and she uh and she tells me it's not in Dallas, but it's in a town called Waco. I don't know if you recognize the name Waco at all. There's a it, historical element there, but it, it's 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 not it's not registered with me at the moment. It's uh, this isn't really relevant to the story, but it is the town that had like a a cult shootout. I don't know if you remember anything about that at all. It was like in the eighties, so maybe maybe it's old news now. But uh, okay. We head down there and it's a small, it's kind of a smaller town in the middle of Texas. And I'm standing outside the barn where they're having this and everyone's really chatty. Like everyone's talking to each other. And this lady comes up with her, with her, uh, her kid, who's maybe like 12 or 13, a little girl. And the little girl starts saying things like, I love Hulk Hogan and I love, uh, I love Ted DiBiase and her mother's going, she, yeah, she, she loves the gentleman. She totally loves the gentleman. Uh, she, uh, Chuck Norris, she gets the ooh la la and the kid goes, ooh la la. And she, and then she's like, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, Sean Connery gets the, mm-hmm, and the kid starts going, mm-hmm, Sean Connery. And I'm starting to notice maybe a pattern here of sort of older men, issues stemming from all this and i'm i'm like what the hell's going on here but we we had a great night actually like getting to see big show in the flesh is absurd even if yeah. he is kind of far away he's he's noticeably huge compared to anyone else in that ring at any given time yeah. like he's a he's, he's got more of the bulk of a rhino than he does a man i would say <laughs> yeah he's a really, really big guy as you say like as big as me you know what i mean like it's just he's a big man you know what i mean his legs a tree it's just yeah. a big big tree that you would just casually lift up and like stump people with like yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no like I, i've settled in nicely i would say it took a while to get used to here yeah that's, uh, there that's are a, there yeah. are very strong differences as well and i had to uh drastically slow down uh how i talked yeah uh, because people wouldn't understand me for about six months they just like hey and uh you're english nuts yeah exactly and so uh well i get confused for scottish quite a lot as well because yeah. uh because Derry's like kind of it's probably about 30 40 miles from the scottish coast you know mm. so i get are you scottish i'm scottish too a, a lot that kind of <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, yeah. or it, a lot of americans will tell you that they are also irish like as an affinity sort of thing i suppose or you know, like part of their heritage or something like that. But it's just really funny when someone from Dallas is, oh, I'm Irish too. That's right. We are one of a kind. <laughs> we are blood kin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Phil. No problem. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I 
I guarantee if, if you go over, that'll happen to you a lot. It'll yeah. happen to you. Any Irish man that goes over there, they can wangle a free pint because someone else thinks they're Irish and will happily buy them one. Trust me, it's, it's a free-for-all over here if you if you want to drink. <laughs> I'm going over some. And now, so well, I want to go back a bit because uh, I was t- we were talking about, you know, you like to doodle and draw when you're growing up. So how did you mm-hmm. go from there? Did you go to college and study kind of like art or, or animation or, or whatnot? I actually went to... Uh, college for computing science you know as a kind of backup because when i was about 15 and doing the certs and stuff my uh careers fella told me that i couldn't be an illustrator that's the one thing that i wanted to be in my entire life was like well i can draw and i love doing it so i'd love to be an illustrator in whatever capacity whether it's for books or comics or or whatever and they just said, no, there's no money into it. You need to go take a look at something else. So, I mean, all this success was, it spites of powerful motivator is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, I'd love to say hello to that fellow again and go, see, <laughs> see. But when I was, uh, no, when I was about 15, uh, Flash started becoming a thing online. Like, I think we got here in Haven when I was 13, which was 1998 or something like that. But by about 2000, you know, I was coming across all these stick figure sort of death cartoons that were popular at the time. And the idea of one man being able to sit at his computer and make all of this, make an entire animated uh, sketch all by himself, fantastic. That, that, that really excited me, you know, especially with the music and the sound and all that going on. So I just started doing it for fun. A friend of mine and I, we started a website called uh, stop me if this gets really dull. We started a website called St- Stick Wars, where we, uh, we, you know, I'd make the animations, he maintained the website, and we gained a little bit of a following. And actually through that, I, you know, I met guys that I'm still working with today, like Rob Demblicker and Chris Wilson. And they were running another website that was very similar called Stick Suicide. And I eventually went, when we decided to call it a day for Stick Wars, I jumped over to Stick Suicide and started collaborating with these fellas, the same fellas that I do Cyanide with now. So that was all when I was about 16, 17. I, I might have peaked at 17, I think. <laughs> so how many years? So like now the, the core team does have Chris and, and Rob uh, part mm-hmm. of the the franchise, you know. So for many years, why are you collaborating but not actually on the same land like not in the states you were in northern ireland and they were over in whatever respective place they're in right yeah i believe chris is in colorado these days so you yes indeed so you you still collaborate from a distance uh even today you know yeah uh the only real difference is that we're all operating on the on the same time zone more or less you know Yeah. yeah like everyone's awake at the same part of the day Mm. But I mean, long before we all agreed that we should collaborate on Cyanide and Happiness, we were, we, we became friends by kind of being fans of each other's work. And so we'd get together and I'd say, hey, here's the thing I'm working on. What do you think? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, I like that. I would change that. I like that. And back and forth. We weren't, we weren't even working together at the time. We just enjoyed doing it, you know? So for it to become, I, I never saw it becoming a job. I couldn't have imagined it becoming a job. But uh, we we were just doing it for fun, you know, like it was something I really enjoyed doing. So kept at it. 
so when you were doing stick wars, okay, so why are you making an income off it? Because I know, I know, I, 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 you know, your parents, I know my parents say that, like they'd say, oh, you never make a, a living from, you know, certain creative fields because there's no, right. there's no line or direction levels you can go up, you know, it's either you, you have to hustle or figure out where, uh, a niche for yourselves, which you have now. But yes. Why are you making a living from this or were you working and just doing this on the side mm. as a kind of hobby and with a hope of a career in the future? Well, it was just kind of an exciting thing for me to do. Like I mm. said, um, you know, I didn't really get on with a lot of my classmates and I was ostracized a bit. And yeah. that's, that's, that's whatever. But I, I, I just took up animation as a means to, you know, something to work on goals mm. regarding improving and things like that. And it also got a little bit competitive where, you know, you'd have maybe Rob was doing this fantastic sort of 3D effect. And I'd be like, I can do that, but better. And so I'd do something better. Or someone else would say, hey, I did this magical thing over here. And so everyone's kind of learning from each other by competing, mm. really. And so there was a real drive to just be, be fantastic at it. And I, I think that's why we we kind of all became friends is rob rob was absolutely killer at it i'll not speak for myself but chris chris brought a different sense of humor to the equation and that was what's so unique about what he what he did and uh it was just a it was just a perfect meeting of minds for something like cyanide and happiness you know yeah that's what it seems like it seems like that you is like have a He's a kind of all the one brain like one's the right side the left side and you know he's kind of he's, he's kind of work well together um you know he's all, all, all have different facets you bring to the party right well you know it's like uh i've known them for about 21 years now mm. i've been working with them for about 21 years and that's madness when you think about it i'm 36 so i started in my mid-teens somewhere really if you want to talk about when i started working Stick word, you asked about it, stick words making money. It made uh, 20 pounds once. Okay. Because <laughs> the ads were like, uh, I, we just didn't get much from the ads whatsoever. And I, I remember, but I remember that night, like we got 20 quid in and we're holding it and it's crisp and it's like, we made this, we made this with our little cartoons and we just went out and, you know, had drinks, had drinks on it, so to speak. It was great. But when you started out, there wasn't uh, there wasn't like ad and ad money to be made. YouTube wasn't massive like like now like there's ad money to be made and you know there's there's uh, monetize your products. Versus- no, my motivation was certainly something like I'd like uh, respect for what I do. I'd like people to recognize it and enjoy yeah. it, and I'd like people to you know have a good time when they watch one of my cartoons. So it was I, was, I just really wanted to entertain and wow people. Yeah. Uh, money there's. Yeah, I, I can't even think how it would have been feasible to make serious money off that. <laughs> yeah. But that but then Cyanide came a couple of years later. And I was in I was in university at that point. And I just remember watching like because they would PayPal me money. Uh and it'd take a little fee off it, which I'd be annoyed about. But I started noticing that, hey, I can afford more things. I can, maybe I'll buy myself that CD. Maybe oh. But maybe I don't even have to worry about that. I'll go on Amazon and buy 20 used CDs at a time and things like that. And I just notice I'm not worrying about money as much as I was the year before. And I'm like, is this actually, is this actually going to, you know, is it going to 
pay for some bills is it and uh you know i show my parents who were previously like well i'm glad you i'm glad you can do that and uh, you're very talented but you, you need to go make some money you know but now that they're seeing the money come in they're like what what if he pooed on the other fella what what about that for a joke what about what if uh, they're, they're suggesting stuff that's that i i i would be loads to put on into print form because it's just so ghastly and offensive <laughs> it's I'm like cheers i'm just wondering where your humor comes from because i was i was dining on last and last night just and, and i've 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 been i've been watching Sonic and happiness like over the last few weeks months days and i'm i some of them just catch me like i've been watching some <laughs> just be in stitches like i just be like i never seen that coming you know like and that's yeah, the, that's the magic of like when comedy, when good comedy is, you know, especially in, in web comic form is, is done like right, it, it, it really catches it. Like you just go, like sometimes my jaws is down here, it's on the floor going, What? <laughs> I'm just like startled, and then the next time, just I'm just going. I'm repeatedly laughing in my head and, and, and out loud. I'm like, My god. I, I think can't, I can't I can't deal with this. I think that's the one that's one of the elements of comedy is surprise, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, yeah, the way yeah. the way you go at a kid and they start laughing. It, it's the yeah. same thing essentially. And so, you know, we I mean, where does the we never attempted to just do pure shock value or anything like mm. that. There were there were places that did that. That's very turn of the millennium internet, but we had no problem uh being dark as long as there was a joke involved and we just happened to laugh at really dark jokes if there's no joke right, it's just offensive there's no point in doing that at all you know but i would say i would say the humor come from from me from me my my dad's very funny fella like kind of talk at the time like everyone everyone loves him and so you know i thought he's always he's always cheering people up so i'd love to be someone like that and but then that collides with this other side where i wasn't really getting on with anyone at school and you know i was bullied a wee bit and so i came out of that kind of sad and bitter which is not great like i'm fine now like but i, I came out of it bitter and so those kind of things combined into you know i want to enter entertain someone with bitter dark comedy you know i want to express myself through that and so that's kind of where part of cyanide comes from. Well, in a sense, in a sense, say say you went back in time to those days where you were being bullied in school. Like teenagers can be cruel. We've all oh. we've all had those, you know, yes, incidents. 100%. Yeah, because they just it's a hierarchy system. You're like you're you're not a cool kid. You know, you 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 you're a cool kid. You you're a quiet kid. You're a shy kid. Whatever. Um, but basically. If you brought your work back to the that those kids now and showed them, they'd go, "Wow." Maybe, yeah. Once they see, maybe it's uh, once they see that it's kind of successful, maybe. But I mean, I was drawing stuff in textbooks all the time, and you know, a couple of kids would make fun of me about it and stuff. But we were getting into like, here, here's my therapist. If I brought that back to them, would they be like, "This is what you do for a living"? Uh, and that that's kind of like a bad voice in my head talking. But I remember one time. God, it was even after school these guys were proper arseholes like they mm. kept it going when they were you know fully fledged adults i remember being at a pub one time and one of them walks in and we're both like 20 and i'm thinking surely we're all over this at this point no i know we just had to spend seven years together like 
bloody trying to get along but mm. I, I thought maybe now we're adults and he goes hey uh still drawing stick figures for a living and this isn't even true like this is this is such a horrible thing to say on my part and it's so stupid and based it on truth but i basically said i could buy you and he walked away like like saddened and i remember thinking yeah you fucker there you go take that you you bollocks you know <laughs> so yeah i mean that's incredibly immature and spiteful but that's what i was at the age of 20 i mean come yeah. on yeah. you know especially after experience like that i think i i school's a tough thing because you are given a smattering of people that maybe you, you do get on with maybe you don't so look at the draw and then you're stuck with them for what eight hours a day for five days a week for seven years straight and if you if you're if your uh luck of the draw isn't great then you're stuck with that and you know especially when there were like unpleasant teachers as well but it, it just kind of those are your for those are your formative years where you're trying to develop your core self that you will be as an adult and to have that kind of ruined for you is, is a great shame so i'm i'm very vocal about anti-bullying and stuff like that you know yeah it, you can see the, the, the fire inside you that's kind of been lit since that day so it's really kind of given you kind of that drive you know well yeah since since the, since the career guide and said you won't have a career and when, when someone tells you you won't you know go harder I mean, go, you, know, do right. harder, you know what i mean 100 percent. well you know a bit of advice for anyone listening to this spite mm. is a very powerful motivator and you should you should use it and you should grab it by the horns and make it a part of why you're doing something because it works it absolutely works <laughs> <laughs> but uh no nah, man life's good now yeah, you know, well, ups yeah. and downs considering that everything that's been going on in the past year, but yeah, we're we're still here. I'm here. I'm I'm doing all right these days and I'm looking after myself really well. So I can't complain really. I got a two year old as well. Yeah, yeah. So is that not is that a boy or a girl? It's a boy. Ah. His name his name's Arthur. Ah. Like King, King Arthur. Like King Arthur, certainly. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Arthur Finn Michelfatrick. Uh, Finn named after Finn McGoo, as you'll know. Yeah. So he's he's got a bit of that back home distinction as well. Nice. That's good. Yep. And we're going to go back to America because you, to get to the States, it, it wasn't an easy process. You petitioned to get there. You got 130,000 mm. signatures. What was that like? How did you go about like petitioning? Did you have a fan base then? And you just kind of said, guys, I need to get to America. I need to get to the land of opportunity. How do well, I help me get here? That's a great question because we went through every affordable hoop. Mm. What had happened to me? So I went over there in January to kind of get to know who I'm working with and meeting for the first time. And we just we just socialized and hung out and got to know each other more. And, you know, I got to experience a bit of America. I had a girlfriend in Dallas. So I was thinking about coming over eventually anyway. But I stayed in Texas from about January to April 2010 with uh, plans of coming back over here in, I don't know, May, late May. So my manager at the time 
full on. I don't know if you remember the South Park, Park episode with the. There's a manager uh, who had this this turkey that did a dance, and the, the turkey was a diva. And this manager was like this total Hollywood kind of like, "You got this, baby. You got this." Manager. That was. I, I honestly believe that that fellow was based on the manager that I had at the time. It, it was right down to the close. It was spot on. But, you know, I asked this guy, you know, I don't have a visa and I need that to be working over there, right? And uh, he's like, nah, baby, you'll be fine, baby. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> you, you can just come into the country and then we'll get you a visa, man. And that's obviously not how it works. But me being an Egypt in his early 20s, listening to the older gentleman talk like he knows what he's talk like he knows what he's talking about. I thought, right, well, I'll just jump onto a plane. And let me tell you, in New York Airport, they did a very diligent job of arresting me and trying to find out why I was coming into the country without the correct paperwork. And I was very, very confused and frightened because you know you're not in Europe anymore and you hear stories of the police over here and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah. They were cruel. They were very, very unpleasant to sort of talk to. That would but, be, yeah, that would be one uh, place where you probably would get uh, a mixed uh, thoughts if you showed your stick figure work. Here's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm doing some stick figure. Yeah, down. I'm doing these. I'm trying to do some work <laughs> where I draw stick figures with penises. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they, it, it, oh my goodness, like I'm pretty, I, I, I used to be a pretty anxious person. Mm. so for that to happen was like one of my nightmares come true you know i'm like fuck i'm not even in my own jurisdiction i'm just gonna lock me up for years who knows who knows because it's america uh but they sent me on the first flight home it was an awful run trip to the airport it really was just uh send me home and they said if you get a visa you can come back in and so it's actually quite difficult to get a visa uh, as i find out like they, they don't make it easy at all but uh, we went through all the hoops and it was denied and denied repeatedly. And they were saying that cyanide wasn't a recognized global brand. And so for one last, it really was the, the end of the line, you know, it was the last thing to try was a petition to see if I could get in. And so I think this might be the one instance where an online petition has actually done something. I had a, uh, 130,000 people signed that petition petition within a couple of days and we we printed all that out and sent a big huge pile of paper to uh, the USCIS office and sure enough they approved me immediately and so I got to go in by about September which is madness absolute madness and so uh, I am going to be forever grateful for anyone that signed that you know and just for the support in general I can't believe that I would wonder if it would happen today. I don't even know, but it it was magical. It was absolutely magical. Yeah. No, definitely. No, definitely. It, it's a power of of you know, like the people people power, just like you know, asking the question and 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 pulling on the heartstrings, saying, "I want I want to be here. I've got a I've got work here. I've got you know, I'm really trying to build something in America." Yeah. Uh, and they they came true. It was great. Yeah. Uh, that. That's kind of how it went. And so I, you mentioned like power of the people and stuff like that. I, I wonder if that's the only time the American uh, immigration services listen to the people either, you know, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's a long time now. That's 11 years. Like, yeah. so like I've 
completely changed who I am since then, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm a more, I'm definitely a more woven Americanized version of myself. Uh, it's, it's a little weird to go back home sometimes even. So when, so, so you got the visa mm-hmm. and then you, you went straight to Dallas and that was it. And, and you found a place to live and, and you stayed there ever since you didn't live anywhere else. Uh, essentially, yeah. Uh, I because my coworker Rob is in Dallas. I thought, right. Yeah. Uh, if I get in, we're going to start building an animation studio together eventually, which we have done, and which is still going, and it's still going from strength to strength, thankfully. But uh, I decided to move to a Dallas suburb called Plano. And Plano is interesting because, like a lot of suburbs around here. Uh, there's not really a sense of history because everything is being built so quickly and it's being built out so quickly that uh, this, where, where I'm living right now, was probably all things like 20 years ago, you know? So a lot, so what they do is they take a lot of the, uh, the architecture and sort of the fences and stuff and try to make them look old. But it's got this whole facade that creeps me out a little bit where you, you feel like the buildings are going, oh no, I was always here. You you are you you're you are imagining me. I was I was here the whole time. And I'm like, oh God. You know, because you go back home and everything's at least a thousand years old. Mm. And you you know, you can feel that dripping through the cracks of the walls and all. But here it, it's completely different. It's like Lego sets, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's such a strange thing. And uh, so that would make me anxious for a while because I was just so used to something feeling more lived in. But, uh, you know, like anything, you just got to take time to get used to it. And culturally, was a world away from Coleraine? Was it was, was like, how, how big is Coleraine? I've not been to Coleraine. Sorry. Uh, no, no, good. good. Uh, it's about 24, stay away from it, honest to God. 24,000 people, I would say, roughly. Might be depleting. Okay. So, I mean, uh, I like my hometown well enough. I know I'll keep mm. making jokes about it, yeah. but it's a weird place to be. It's absolutely a weird place to be. Like any smallish town in the middle of Ireland, it's got its own, it, uh, what's it, eccentricities, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, you know? Stuff that goes on in the town and not really anywhere else that's unique to that time. And so I already had a pretty... Uh, unique perspective on what life must be like I guess (laughs) you know I lived up in Belfast for three years and to me that was the that was the big city you know it was big city living in Belfast Uh, but I was just I was just not used to even seeing one high-rise building before that and so that was kind of like opening up the world for me was like oh I'm on a map I'm in Belfast and then I thought the next logical conclusion was something like Dallas you know just, yeah. I just kept going to places that were more popul- populated because in a way I kind of wanted to prove myself that I wasn't, you know, a, a sort of a backwards rural fellow, so to speak. Uh, Which, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, another weird motivation, I suppose. But, um, yeah. Beca- yeah, go on. No, please, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here. And because you're here, like you're you're in Dallas eleven years, um, have you become a local in a sense? Like, do you do you have a Stetson or or uh, 
Do I have a cowboy hat? Cowboy hat, um, there you go, yeah. I think I have a novelty one lying around somewhere, the one that I slept on my dad's head when he came over. Yeah. But I I absolutely have an American accent for when I'm in a grocery store or something like that. You know, I'm just yeah. trying to I'm just trying to buy my fruit and vegetables. And if I were to talk exactly as I do, you know, it'd always be like, oh, you're from Ireland. Wow, you're from Ireland. And they, they want to talk to me about it for a while. Yeah. I might be in a rush or something like that. So I, I, I do like to put on an American accent over the phone it, because of that. And also because they just, they, they, they talk much slower here. So yeah. if I were to talk about, like I said, if I were to talk my normal speed, it would confuse everyone. So I, I kind of had to, I, I definitely kind of had to like, create a transatlantic twang so to speak did you have to because you're coming again ireland's a small it's a small place it really is like it, population wise ireland of ireland five six million very small that, dallas is about seven million yeah like the, the whole metro area to give you an idea of how big it is yeah there you go so it's 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 as big as ireland or more mm-hmm. or even bigger did you have to change your mindset a bit like because you were you were probably going into you know because you you, know, you you were five years into Sunlight and Happiness as a as a business. Yes. So you have to change your mindset when you were like, okay, here we're here now. I'm I'm in the states. Let Let's get to the next level. Like, well, change your kind of like your 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 mindset towards like growth and 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 and, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because yeah. you know now so many things are possible. One of the biggest changes for me was actually getting used to talking to these guys like in person you know because you you remember we we used to talk on like msn all the time and that's Mm. mainly where we'd share each other things and give notes to each other and so to actually talk the way we did online but in reality was it it was very confusing because when you're reading someone sending you a message you read it in your own accent or whatever right but all of a sudden i'm talking to actual americans and i'm thinking can they understand me like what uh what is appropriate here what's inappropriate uh if i showed them something like black books would they find it funny Mm. you know what i mean because the the sense of humor is often a little different but like on both sides of the ocean and so like there's a lot of learning to do with regards to what people find humorous and how they find it humorous and the sort of things that will tell people talk about food over here all the time. Also, like they'll tell each other all about, um, you know, the dinner they had yesterday or whatever <laughs> and how they would improve it. And in Korean, of course, I, I don't think there was anywhere that was a particularly uh, grand food outlet. I mean, you had hotels and stuff and carveries and stuff like that, but these talk, Talking about food for fun was something I had to get used to, you know, because yeah. uh, because at the start it was like, shut up, eat your dinner, I don't care, just just eat your <laughs> dinner. It's a means to something else, right? But uh, they're very open to talking about many things, not just like, well, food is is a conversational piece, really. They're very proud of the food and and mm. and it's like a it's a celebration, really. Right. I uh, one thing I did notice straight away was that people will just come up and talk to you come up and talk to you in grocery stores or, you know, like the, the food aisle or whatever. And maybe it's an old fellow and he's just kind of going, hey, you're, I like your hat or, you know, or they'll just start talking about the projects or something. And I'm thinking back home, 
everyone puts the blinkers on when they go outside and they don't want to talk to each other whatsoever and they scowl at each other so again like i came over with that mentality of like oh you just scowl at everyone i never yeah. lose. it took me a while i'm really not painting myself as a nice person in this podcast i realized that. <laughs> <laughs> but it took some it took some time to like get used to people being especially with my background and stuff people being incredibly friendly and open and willing yeah. to talk about whatever like it like it's a discussion but i like i i i embrace it and i you know i bring that back home and i feel more confident back home just kind of talking with a sense of familiarity around people and about whatever you know that's what america's taught me there's a curiosity there really people are curious and they want to know more than because when i used to work in a cruise ship they the people would talk to us like, and you, and you would, you talk to them because they, they're there to enjoy the vacation. So you're part of that experience. Yes. So they ask you questions, but mm -hmm. sometimes Dave, they'll ask you questions too close to the bone and you feel like, really? Yeah. They kind of ask you because, you know, they like there's so many American guests just want to know more than they, they, you know, than I signed up for. But you still yeah. kind of feel like, eh, you know, where's the line? You know what I mean? But it's, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I like the way the Americans are very open to you and want to talk to you. And, and they've kind of like perfected it. You know, they, 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 hi, how are you? You know, like it's a very, it's a very it's a positivity there, you know? Where, yeah. As you again, were saying, we can again go with kind of, yeah. Again, with kind of the cynicism that I brought over, you know, when people were like, have a great day. Thank you. Oh, hey, you're welcome. And stuff like that. I just yeah. thought, you know you wouldn't get that back home at all yeah. and so and so it was it was very strange to me and it you know you mentioned americans like over from talking to you like in an over familiar sense and talking yeah. about everything and anything oh yeah absolutely and so there's a balance between you wanting to like jump into a discussion like that yeah. getting thrown into one like that and sometimes you're just fucking miserable you know <laughs> you just <laughs> You just want to get in and out of the shop, but everyone's talking away to you. Yeah. That was maybe one of the biggest differences that I had to endure. Everyone's delightful here. And mm. everyone back home, uh, <laughs> well, you know how it is. You know? It's like, it's like I had to be happier now because I'm here, you know. <laughs> that was a genuine thing where I had to teach myself like to smile more. Everyone smiles yeah. like a, everyone smiles like a scared chimpanzee over here. <laughs> and I, I read the reason for that was because there were so many, uh, uh, you know, it's a country of immigrants from so many different places. Mm. So when, when they'd arrive in New York, how, how they would communicate each other or let, let each other know that they were, they were satisfied with the other person or trying to be friendly, they would all grin really hard. And that sort of developed into, you know, the American smile that you, you, you see in photographs where everyone's, honestly, they look like a painted skull sometimes, like, yeah. And I can't do that. I've got dreadful teeth and I uh, rarely smile when I was <laughs> so smiling for everything. Like your cheeks start to hurt after a while. So you've embraced, you've embraced the American culture and you traveled a bit. So where have you, okay. So, okay. You, there's 50 States. How many States have you not traveled to? Oh, let's see. I want to say about half, maybe okay. half of them. Yeah. That's not too bad. And there, there's still ones that I do want to go visit. You know, I'd love to see, I love the idea of just heading somewhere that no one really goes and just yeah. staying in a hotel in the middle of nowhere and just, yeah. living as the locals kind of do i'd love to go to like montana or something yeah. snowy and mountaineer or something like that you know i think if you, if, 
yeah if, if you went there you might find it's probably gonna be like home because it's very rural and, and people might be like oh new people you know like they'd yeah. be curious to see oh there's a new person in town right like i i often like to live like the locals do you know like every time we go to a, con- a convention in a new city it was always mm. go to the wee divey pub and start talking to people there you know things like that i, I absolutely love doing that and that's kind of how I got to know Chicago, how I got to know New York, you know, just just going into a pub and talking to people. It's one of my favorite things to do. I don't drink anymore, so that's hampered a little bit. But uh, I mean, New Orleans was absolutely spectacular, like completely different from something like New York, like a totally different culture and absolutely gorgeous. But uh, the weirdest place I've probably been was Alaska. I uh, went up to Anchorage, Alaska for a comic convention and we were a wee, wee bit cheeky about it. Uh, we were, Rob and I were talking one day and uh, you know, I said, if you could go anywhere for a convention, where would you go? And we, we both said Alaska. And so we looked up if there was a comic convention in Alaska. Alaska has Anchorage, the city, uh, it's about the size of Belfast. So it's not a tremendously big city. You know? mm. And so we were kind of curious if they did have a comic convention there. Sure enough, they did. And we sent them an email saying, can we come along? And they said, yeah, absolutely. So off we were for a wee trip up to Anchorage where I got to see the Borealis and all that and take in, take in, it was in October. So it was Baltic, beyond freezing. And uh, it was just such a unique and interesting experience for me. I prefer cold weather over hot weather. So I could have stayed there for a while. I really could. Yeah. Didn't get to see any whales though, which is kind of partly why I wanted to be there. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the draw. People go up to Alaska to see the whales because along the coast. Because we used to cruise from Seattle, Washington to right Juneau, Skagway. Yeah, yeah. So the inside passage is called. But I never got to mainland Alaska. My friend lives in Alaska. It's always a place I'd love to go to because it is quite parts of alaska have never been like touched by human feet you know what i mean like, oh yeah not at all you know what i mean like so uh quite too out cold there. too cold you know yeah, like too uh, cold. Yeah, yeah yeah the reason iceland's been trodden on by people is because it's actually quite a small island so mm. but you know you go up to alaska and it, it's it's about three times bigger than texas like it's it's by far the largest map in, or the largest state in the united states yeah absolutely there's total wilderness out there <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is really is. <laughs> now, when you moved over to to Dallas and you got you got into it, you got you got into to you know into work essentially. Um, you were talking about I, I mentioned this earlier on about like you were working remotely with them. So when you when you first met the guys, was it a, was it easy to adapt to, to to working with them like physically in the same building? Well, with Rob anyway. Well. For a while, it it was difficult to adapt to uh, whatever adapting to working on someone else's schedule, mm. and by that I mean, you know, when I was working for myself with stick wars and all, like I would work on a project when I'm feeling like enthused or if I'm feeling a bit off that day, uh, you know, I would just leave it for another day. But when we were over here and taking things seriously in early uh, 2010, 2011, I Rob's, uh, he's an absolute workaholic. Uh, he, he, you know, he obsesses over it and that's part of his brilliance. Uh, but uh, like suddenly, you know, we were operating on a full nine to five kind of schedule kind of thing. And 
yeah, it's a job. Like we we treat it like like a full on job. And to go from being quite casual with stick wars and the animations and stuff to actually working like like it's a job, you know, that that was a big thing to get used to as well. Because I I'm not much of a sleeper. I'm very bad at it. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, just the there was such a huge culture shock with regards to, well, I'm over here now, and I'm talking to these people who have mm. only ever really, and suddenly, you know, this text on my computer has suddenly become a real person, and I have to f figure out, again, how they might talk and enunciate and how, what they might uh, el elaborate on phonetically. It's completely different to how you would read mm. what they're saying, you know? So yeah. it took a lot of things to get used to, yeah. And did you, um, I was going to say, so your work schedule changed completely, but you still got each other because like you were so, so working for a few years beforehand. So you, you knew like the way you worked, like, like, like what your strengths and weaknesses were. Like, did you find you learned anything new about yourself? Uh, like about like how you worked compared to working remotely from home. Now you're working like physically in America. Oh, certainly. Um, I mean, I one of the things one of the things I miss the most is working on our animated show. I uh, I absolutely delighted in coming in, you know, nice and early and having something to say for it by five o'clock. You know, whether it was a new scene or whether it was, you know, an entirely new passage of the animation. I loved getting heavily involved with that, and I loved treating it like a job. I really did, you know. Like uh, I'm uh, I'm very much uh, you put in. You get out what what you put in mm. as far as as far as it goes. So to be satisfied in that way was new to me at the time, you know. Because I I'm the kind of guy and I hate this. I absolutely despise this about myself. I have uh, I have a ton of projects that are unfinished, and it's just because one day I went. Uh, maybe next day and then that rolls on and that rolls on then you find that you're not enthused about it anymore you know mm. and so there's a few like old animations from like 20 years ago that still were far from completion and I'll probably take them to the grave <laughs> it's a shame and but, how big uh, how big is your team now is it just you the three of you have you got um, other, other people like in the it, explosion team oh it's us three and but 20 other people now, you know, you've oh, got a okay. mix of animators yeah. and writers and people taking care of the business itself. Yeah. So it, it's a diverse like number of people. And we are, we, uh, I, we're very much in tune with each other. Everyone in the company loves being part of the company, you know, like, yeah. like the staff are all friends, which is more than you can say for a lot of businesses. And so we actually had a get together for the first time in 14 months there on Friday. We went top golfing and, uh, you know, everyone was just so delighted to see each other again. And yeah. I would want, I would wonder how many businesses that's, that's a thing, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there's some people that are very, very much looking forward to not seeing their coworkers again. Yeah. No, I, that, that's what you're saying. Like you're saying like about the team, I, I feel that's what it's like. It's kind of like, uh, that's why you've been so successful as a company to date because the team elements, so it seem, you, you seem to have a good cohesion as, as a, as a team, no matter whether it's you three or the, or the, or the people uh, around working 
with the, with the company, you know? Uh -huh. I would say uh, sort of being a three-headed hydra has its benefits and its limitations as well, you know? Like we're very much in tune with each other and we understand exactly what sign and happiness should all be about and the, the ins and outs of what you do with it and what you don't do with it. Um, but also the, the downside to that is sometimes decisions just get pushed back and pushed back because none of us can either agree on something or none of us can implement something without someone else like having yeah. to approve the situation. So it's all those little like, you know, political things that go on within a company as well. Is, and, is there a so, person in the, the team who who is like the strategist who, who keeps you in line? You know, I know you say you've got lots of projects on the go. Is there one person out of the three of you who goes, right, guys, I think this is what we should do. Believe me. Yeah. This. Like we're all bringing ideas in. I would yeah. say Rob is absolutely the one that is, you know, taking us in those directions. Like I said, he's, I, I would have called him overworked, but he, he absolutely loves it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> like to his own detriment sometimes yeah. I think he gets exhausted quite a lot but uh yeah absolutely he's he's the man for that job and yeah. he's he's great in that respect he really is yeah who's your influences you know because like you you've as you said as i said as you said like you, you're you've got many different you wear many different hats in your role so who's your influences animation wise comedy wise um just i uh, like even personally really yeah well honestly um a lot of my early inspirations for comedy where shows like well let's see i watched a lot of um alan partridge in the early 90s yeah, and, yeah. I, and i mean i'm only like nine or ten but i thought this guy was hilarious and uh loved him you know went on to love black books and peep show and all that sort of channel four yeah. british stuff that that like it, just so much so much good stuff coming out of there mm. and uh combining that cynicism the, the cynicism of those those shows with uh a, a comic like i was also growing up a big fan of like British children's comics, like the Beano and the Dandy and all that sort of thing. So they were a huge inspiration to me when I was a kid. And so when I got a little older, everything kind of became a little combination of all those things, you know, where it's, 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 it's a cartoon, but yeah, it's, it's, it's dark and it's a little morbid and it's sad. And mm. that's kind of, that's kind of where a lot of my portion of cyanide and happiness comes from, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it is dark. All right. Yeah, it's dark. It's sad. It's funny. It's got a bit of everything. I mean, um, yeah, really, it can be melancholy. It can be just yeah. wall. But like, that's it. That's that's the magic of it. As it, like, I read um about you were saying that uh, because there, there's other web comics out there, so you know, there's always going to be someone who's going to be trying to compete with that for that space. Oh, sure. But like use use are more use are very consistent you're all you use always have lots of content out all the time so you're 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 never really stopped like do you ever have a day where there's never like a where nothing happens yeah nothing happens um i mean we'll take holidays mm. when it's appropriate you know and like not a lot of people know this but the comic <laughs> the comic for the day it was usually like discussed the day before and drawn yeah. the night the night it was due to go up 
you know? So, but we, we kind of liked that pressure of, yeah. Hey, you need, you need something for tomorrow. So, you know, that motivates us to get together and sort of forge these ideas together and work them out. Yeah. But, uh, um, what was the, what was your full question again? I'm trying so, to, so, uh, so, ba so basically, um, I was saying like, uh, you uh you are very consistent like as in there's other web comics out there right but yeah. you guys like to get more web comics out there so you're kind of ahead of the, the i think i think sense. we were one of the first daily web comics and there's still not many daily web comics you know yeah, yeah. um i i think one of our strengths is that we are not two-dimensional and sometimes the personality does shine through in the cartoons all facets of our personalities for example we do this thing called depressing comic week and we get to be raw and real and kind of express ourselves in a way that we don't usually allow for and there doesn't even need to be a joke it's kind of yeah. like an anti-joke where you you write it like a joke but it's yeah. the opposite you know yeah. like there's not a clever funny punchline there's just more sadness <laughs> and so things like that um i think remind people that we're people too and that's always a good thing the one thing uh i don't think we'll ever veer into this territory but it's kind of it's kind of a hot thing in comics right now is to present yourself as relatable hashtag relatable right like uh you know here comics often depicting like what people are thinking when they're standing in a line or something like that i don't yeah. And, and I think that's what a lot of people are looking for right now, but that's not our niche. That's, that's not something we do. We just like to write plain old offensive jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes left field and you're kind of going, well, I didn't see that coming, which is again, the element of surprise. So you're kind of like, you're, you're putting two and two, but getting six, you go, what, you know, where, where, where did that come from? You know, you're just like, and, and you say so, some of these comics might be compiled together in like three hours like a, like a just knocking your head session and you go right right we've got we've got, we got a character or two characters we've got an idea let's let's do it you know and then you come up with some, some and it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter how much time you yeah. have it doesn't matter if you give yourself a week yeah or if you give yourself three hours if mm. you laugh if you laugh during that time then that's the one you know if you're okay. laughing, that's, yeah. that's that's the one you go forward with yeah so yeah, I think I think most other comics, um, some of them are working on a, a week's a week long buffer. We like to we like to ride the line a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, you you do like you you do have as you said, like you get a lot of content out there, um, and it's not as you say not relatable. It is to an an element of it, it is. I'm feeling that's relatable, and then they go, mm, maybe not so much, you know, because you're, it's it's dark and it's yeah uh, uh, yeah but well you know it's kind of funny um mm. like we've done over 500 uh cyanide shorts now we've been doing them since 2013 they come out weekly and animation per week is insane and i don't recommend it to most people but mm. somehow we've been doing it uh so up to now and what people have come to expect from the shorts is that there's always a twist or there's always something that makes them go oh you know didn't see that coming and you know you mentioned that a lot here and honestly it, it it's so expected to expect the unexpected that when we present just a funny idea as yeah. is you know there's plenty of those as well people are like well where where was it where was the twist where was the where was where 
And uh, so, so that, that, that's almost become a limitation, you know, where it's like, hey, we need more, we want more twists. We want more of that sort of like flipping the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we don't really, we don't really write to appease uh, other, other people. We, um, we stick true to ourselves because I think that's what new fans come for and what established fans are already here for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, like I said, like hashtag relatable is a big thing in comics right now. I, I don't plan on doing anything like that anytime soon, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I can, I can see that. I, I can see you, just, you just kind of have your own kind of niche, as you say. You know, you're, you've, you've got your own road that you're, you're happy to. Go yeah, down, you know, I, I think so. We're very, very fortunate to have our own fan base. You know, that's yeah. not just a web comics fans in general. It's always oh, signed out and happiness fans. Uh-huh. So we're, we're, we're very fortunate in that respect. And it's been sixteen years we've been going on now doing this comic. So. I, I I'm terrible at everything else, so I just gotta hope I can do this until I'm very old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you branched out. I've seen you've got like card games. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've got the shorts as well on, on YouTube, and and you've won you've you've won awards for you won a streamy, which is essentially like a you know a, a online video creator award. You know that's yes. Like, you know YouTube absolutely influence. You know, that, yeah. yeah. Like it's nice to be recognized for those kind of things, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're kind of delving more into card games in the future. You know, we're looking yeah. at, we're looking at, uh, we're currently working on some more, yeah. and uh, you know, just kind of iron those out and fix them. And again, you know, like the comics, it's uh, you, you keep tweaking them until you start laughing. Like yeah. that—that's the main, that—that's the one through line that you have to maintain. Is is it funny? Are people enjoying themselves? Then it really doesn't matter how complicated the the board game is for example you know so do all three of you get together and and and, and try and make the funny or or does does one person throw an idea in and then go is that funny and then the next person goes in or you all kind of like work together for the same kind of purpose as far as uh comics writing goes comics uh, we, yeah yeah right right we have a separate little chat called yeah. comics writing where yeah, you yeah. know someone will say i uh, here's an idea that I had and or I could use some prompts so yeah. you know for example like I don't know someone might say I need to write a comic and someone throw some prompts at me to get get my brain all kind of loosey-goosey so I can yeah. get in the yeah. creative space and you know so the rest of us will be like I don't know twinkling your toes uh being discharged from the RV or whatever and uh before you know it like uh like a cocktail really you know yeah. uh well let's work on that original let's so twinkling your toes let's mix that with something uh where we can swap it around what if toes twinkle you in russia or something like that i don't know terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah. example but you know what i mean and uh comics will often be done that way yeah. in kind of a like a buffet kind of experience where we're all taking bits and pieces and we're all like gluing things together but also quite often we'll come in with full ideas and just say what do you think does this need work or is it good to go and you know it's a lot of it's a lot of throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks yeah you know for i'm sure for every good idea we've had there's probably like four or five terrible ones <laughs> and you went to card games you said you're working on more card games you've also got a video game out i see you got a video game out more recently 
We do. We have a point and click adventure called Freak Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you if you liked Mon- Monkey Island growing up, you know that kind of thing, then this is absolutely your flavor. It is bursting with content. Uh, I've watched the team bust their asses off it for like three years straight, and it is every everything that you can see, you can practically talk to or touch and get a different reaction every time. It's all fully voice acted, so. I couldn't even tell you how many thousands of lines are in there um, as because the protagonist has to react to everything in four or five different ways, right? Like uh, you can choose to talk to something or you can touch something or you can grab something. Yeah. And so if, for every instance, there has to be a line recorded. And I think that's what a lot of, I think that's where a lot of the time's gone, you know, just, mm. cap, just capturing so much in terms of assets and whatnot. Yeah. Very good. Very good. And yeah. um so you, uh, you, so there's a lot going on. Is there anything else? And your projects that, that on in the pipeline coming up, or um, uh, mm, I'm I'm trying to figure out if I should tell you or not. <laughs> I, I don't think I can. Honestly, Exclusive. I don't think you can. Let's say there's let's say there's a few NDAs involved. So that's exciting, right? Oh, okay. Like uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Talking to people that ask for NDAs when yeah. it comes to talk to this kind of a thing. Oh yeah. But uh, you can definitely expect more shows from us. At some point, that's kind of our drive again is to make another animated show in, in some form or context. I mean, we've had four seasons of the Silent Happiness show on Verve. Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people have access to it. And that, that's kind of a kind of sucks, you know, when you, you work on something so hard for a year and then it goes to this place where a very exclusive set of people can watch it. And that's about it. So our next goal is to make something for the casual YouTube uh, fan of Cyanide and Happiness, someone that just doesn't want to click to four website, different websites, or indeed uh, pay money to get the service just to watch our show. I, I completely understand why people wouldn't want to do that. And so, you know, back to basics, putting a show on YouTube is kind of what we want to do in the future. So watch this space because we're kind of, we, we're figuring some stuff out and it's looking, it's looking good. Is is Verve uh, over in the states? Is it like a pay kind of um, site? Verve, is it, or? Yeah, Verve is like. Uh, do you know what Crunchyroll is? It's like this anime. It's like this anime focused. Okay. Um, app. Right. Yeah, it's got it's got a lot of kind of the your Dragon Balls and whatnot, and so yeah. Verve Verve is kind of a side piece to that, where it contains more traditional animation. Mm-hmm and original animation and so we're part of that we're one of their flagship titles oh, interesting. and yeah no no they've treated us incredibly well over the years the like i said the only problem is getting it out to you know the majority of the fan base who feel like it's been locked away from them a little bit and bred, and bred some you know bad will and i totally i totally understand that like i, I would be annoyed too if you took something and locked it away on a different website that's not convenient to me uh, so that's the focus is bring it back to YouTube and work it that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Exciting. Um, so I was going to ask you, uh, well, I was going to ask you where your hobbies are interests, but I can see there's a guitar in the background. I believe there's a doom. There's a picture of a doom on the back on the wall there. Are you a big, a big, yeah, doom? there's a, well, let's see. Let's even see the rest of this. So there's more uh, doom posters behind uh, that. Oh, uh, look at that. This, yeah, this room that you're looking in was Doom themed for the longest time. I'm kind of slowly getting past that. But uh <laughs> but yeah, I, I love guitar. I play guitar since I was 15. I don't yeah. know if you don't know if you recognize that white one at all. Do you like heavy metal at all? 
I, I no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. No, I don't. I, I, right. I, 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 you can name a band, and I say yes or no if I know them. Well, Metallica. Of course, yeah, of course yeah. So that's the signature of James Hetfield, the singer of Metallica, and oh, it's okay. kind of yeah. it, it's it's a guitar that I've wanted since I was you know about fourteen, and then yeah. I eventually took the plunge on it quite recently, and couldn't be happier. Really, yeah, yeah it's nice. Uh, so, yeah, like, yeah. Got, so it's um. You're a big Metallica fan? Yes, absolutely. And sometimes I love to admit it, but I, I know far too much about the band. If you want to quiz me, you can go for it. <laughs> I'll pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready for a fight there. You see that? It's like, come at me, come at me. Any question you have, I'll do it. But uh, yeah, 100%. I, I have been since I was a kid, like I was saying. And yes, they, they've obviously had their ups and downs and all, but I'll always root for them. I'll always check in on them like an old friend, you know, see how they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I'm rabbiting on here, but uh, I actually do still record a lot of my own music and put it out, just do it all myself. I do a, I have a metal project called We've Got Hostiles, kind of like the Half-Life level. And we just put out an album there. So uh, We've Got Hostiles. Nice, it, yeah. It's called it's called We've Got Hostiles. It's kind of a hardcore crossover band kind of a thing. It's cool. very, very heavy with the riffs and all. And just go to we've got hostiles.com if you want to check out the first album. I'm currently working on the second. Cool, yeah. Definitely check yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Do you like do you like the travel aspect of going to different uh different comic cons or do you like does like do you prefer working in-house and just doing your in-house or do you like going meeting the fans and stuff like that? Like what do you do well, that's a great yeah. That's a great question because there's two parts to going to the convention. Like okay. when you're there mm. and you're meeting fans and you're getting to talk to people and you get to meet new people. It's great. Yeah. But uh like I said, I don't sleep very well, so I really can't stand flying. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great if you could clap your clap your hands and you'd be there, you know, but it, the the flight some the as the flight aspect sometimes just completely puts me off and I just want to stay back and uh just work in house as you say yeah, yeah yeah so it's something you very much have to be in the mood for is do you want to do you want to stay on a plane for four hours well to to go enjoy this thing yes or no you know and i find like we'll be asked maybe a year in advance if we want to turn up to a comic convention and often i can't i can't tell you what i'm going to think in a year or what's going to happen in a year you know <laughs> maybe i'll be maybe i'll just not be in the mood the weekend that we're actually going so I like to keep it flexible, but dude, meeting the fans is incredible. And honestly, one of my first sort of grand experiences with Cyanide and Happiness was going from, uh, this was in about 2007. I, uh, you know, going from making these comics on a computer in Cold Rain in my bedroom or whatever, to flying over to Dallas, meeting the guys that I work with in person. And then we took a road trip to San Diego all through the country. Again, not much sleep was had, but that was one of the first times that I went to a convention and signed stuff. And we had a queue and we had people screaming, going, oh my God, cyanide and happiness and, and that sort of thing. And I'm, to go from that, to go from like kind of not feeling very confident as a little bully kid to like these people being absolutely beyond excited to meet you. It was a very hard thing to get used to for a long time. It was you know it was it was gratifying and it was like the 
the kindness thrown at me was incredible and i wasn't really used to that so much you know people being pleasant <laughs> so yeah. so it, it was from one extreme to another in a way q and a's and stuff like that and and, and yeah and signing stuff and all this mm-hmm. we do yeah. q and a's and panels all the time yeah. and they're always a hoot like uh i just stutter in school because i i think people sensed that i was developing a stutter while reading out loud in class and so they'd be waiting for it and of course that makes you stutter more and to the point where I, I had, a, I was asking the teacher if I could maybe be skipped when it comes to like reading an English class or whatever. Yeah. But the way that was fixed for me was actually going to a convention and doing a Q&A. And I was nervous, like beyond nervous about stuttering beforehand. But the crowd was so enthused and they wanted to hear what I said rather than just kind of want to have a laugh at, at my stutter. And they were so kind and so supportive that I, they they brought me out of that as well. I'm fine with public speaking again, you know. And that's yeah. thanks that's thanks to the kindness of our fans, and that kind of thing is invaluable to me. Like, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's helped me heal so much as well, you know. Like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I'd say it is. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine like what it'd be like to. You know, because your job, your job is, you know, a lot of the time you're behind the scenes. You're, you're, you know, you're in your writing room. You're recording. Yeah. You're doing, you know, you're doing things with your team, but in your own little kind of world. And then you go and meet thousands and thousands of fans. It must be. It, it, it can kind of give you anxiety and kind of feel like, whoa, you know, right? It's a different world. It's kind of a reminder that the things you make are real and they're mm. not just for you. And you know, a huge part of Cyanide Happiness as a whole is yeah, it's fan base, you know, yeah, yeah. like the, the fans are as big a part of it. It's such a yeah. cliche, but the fans are as much <laughs> of a part of it as as the cartoons themselves, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go very shortly. Uh thanks right. for coming on for a chat. Um have a good one. And someday I'll be in Dallas. Maybe I'll just look you up. <laughs> yeah no absolutely you're welcome anytime thank you so much for having me on this has been great all right cool man yeah no this has just been a lot of fun so i'd be happy to do this again good stuff man all right i'll talk to you soon okay talk to you soon dude have a good one take easy bye i'll see you and that was dave mccafatrick he is a co-founder of cyanide and happiness franchise web comics many different uh business aspects they do they have playing cards, card games, video games now, and just learned about his life, coming from Coleraine in Northern Ireland and moving to Dallas, Texas, getting a visa, the trouble he went through getting his visa, and then just how how explosive where cyanide and happiness has grown over the years, and just getting to know the person was very fascinating indeed. Once again, guys, my name is Shane. This podcast is called Heartlines. If you enjoyed yourselves, please like, share, comment, share with a friend, Remember, you're always welcome here on Heartlines. Take it easy and bye-bye.